tonight. Earlier today we were, uh, some of us were talking about the, how to understand uh, what, we're, what, what we're doing when we chant Japa and whether um, connect, trying to connect with Krishna or the Sarup Shakti or Krishna through the Sarup Shakti. Um, and then uh, Sakyarati mentioned um, that we're, we're chanting on behalf of the Guru. I think um, she cited a, a, a verse, I think by Rupa Goswami, uh, that didn't have enough tongue, so I had to recruit more people to glorify the Lord, something like that. Um, I thought maybe you could say something about that, mm-hmm. conception of the name. Well, chanting, of course, uh, <coughs> kirtan is an is a anga of bhakti, and it's uh, the most uh, prominent anga in, in, um, in Kali Yuga. And there are different types of kirtan, among which uh, nam kirtan is uh, said to have the most uh, efficacy. After all, uh, it's taught that uh, in the name is the form, the qualities, uh, leelas, associates of Krishna. <coughs> and, and Kirtan was uh, appropriately so, uh, given its its position in Kali Yuga, the uh, method to, as I sometimes say, Mahaprabhu's madness. That was his whole... Um, central practice even though we say sometimes that smarnam is central to rag bhakti as I've often said kirtan fosters the smarnam and then within smarnam there'll be kirtan as well so it uh, surrounds it on both sides Um, as far as kirtanam goes well there's a lot of theology about the name but the basic Teaching is that the name and the named are are one and, and uh, the same, <clears throat> except for the difference that the name is more generous in that it's uh, makes through the name <coughs> he makes himself excuse me available even to those who have offended his uh, his form <clears throat> him 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 and his name are different the name and the named but who has offended the name the the name will still. Uh, share himself with, uh, with with such a person, and thereby become the principal means to overcome such uh, offense. Um, and in due course, realize the name and the name to be one. So, um, what are we doing when we're chanting? Well, we're we're engaging in a, the, as I say, the principal anga of of bhakti. So the act is an act of bhakti. Bhakti is 
of course, the uh, the essence of the Sarup Shakti, hmm? so the actual activity of, of Kirtan is coming under the influence of the Sarup Shakti, to which Bhakti extends herself to us, and by which, or through participating in which, we... Um, can, um, as Bhakti does in due course, we can conquer Krishna. Hmm? Bhakti, uh, Bhakti has the power to overwhelm Krishna. So if we become uh, saturated with Bhakti and become a very uh, personified form of Bhakti, if, if, the, if our Bhakti, as our Bhakti matures to pray, it, beco- it, it becomes love. We become. There was a famous book years ago reminds me of um, by Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a Buddhist uh, Vietnamese uh, uh, adept, and uh, the book was called Being Peace. I saw it in, in a bookstore once, and I thought, well, we should do on being love. <coughs> actually, the devotee becomes a personification of the love. Krishna is the object of love, and, and Bhakti is the love, and that love takes shape. Radharani is the fullest shape of that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in Kirtan, we are uh, we are availing ourselves to the generous dispensation of uh, of Bhakti Devi mm-hmm. in her most we could say most generous form in the form of, of Kirtan, Nam Kirtan, and. And as we're we're doing that, then sh- Bhakti Devi is having an effect. So, and in, in, in the initial effect is that the heart becomes cleansed, the chitta becomes cleansed of all these previous samskaras and so forth. It takes some time, but um, this is the beginning. Hmm? And from there, then, as I often say, first uh, clean clean the room, and then 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 decorate it. Right? If you invite an interior decorator. She'll tell you first to take this out, throw that out, throw that out, clean this up, and, and then we'll, we'll start the decoration. So she has uh, um, both, both functions. And, um, and so we're cleansing the heart. Um, we're... Uh, Accepting the generous offer, if you will, the opportunity that Bhakti presents us to be embraced by her, to come under her influence. We're we're Tatasta Jiva. Now, in the form of Bhakti, in this case Harikirtan, we have the opportunity to come under the influence of Sarup Shakti to allow, to allow the Sarup Shakti to make ingress into our constitution. To, to come under that environmental influence, to be nourished, as I sometimes say, to be nurtured. We have a nature that lends itself to nurture, so let, it be, let us be nurtured by the Sarup Shakti. Um, in a similar but, but different at the same time way that we are nurtured or malnurtured by the, by the Maya Shakti. So... Um, 
again, what that culminates in, that, that nourishment, is that you become a, 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 a what would we say, like a, a personification of Prem. So you become a, a participant in, in the Leela of Krishna, right? Love has a shape. So Prem has a form. And, um, And in that, having attained that uh, status, then we you know, we are in in a loving rapport um, with now the name D. And now the, and then the name, as Pujapachita Marsh like to say, we, we recedes to the background, and the named, who's non-different than the name. Is in the fo- is in is in the, is in the foreground. Mm-hmm. So that's what's going on <laughs> when we chant. As far as the verse that uh, Sakirati um, cited, it's a verse of Rupa Goswami that I sometimes cite, where he is making a point that, or making a statement that, uh, uh, since the name of Krishna has begun to dance in the courtyard of my heart. Then my senses have all turned inward and are focused on that, and they they have no capacity to to turn outward, which is as they've been doing for 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 since time immemorial. Hmm. But uh, as much as that's a solution to the problem of the senses turning outward and identifying with sense objects and then tossing and turning on the waves of loss and acquisition, longing and um, uh, asociati, nakakshati, hankering and lamenting, I want this, I lost that, and so forth. So that, as much as that solves that problem, hmm? then he says, but another problem now has been created. And that is, that in order to take advantage of that dancing, I want to um, that the syllables, the two syllables, Krishna have have um, have begun to do dance in my heart. I now. Have a problem because I only have one tongue and two ears to do justice to the name. So therefore, he prays for thousands of tongues, millions of ears, and so sometimes I say, "Well, this is the problem. The guru has a problem, so he needs uh, many more ears and more tongues to share the effect of this uh, Krishna nam hmm? uh, by re- by." Chanting it, continuing to chant it, but with more ears and more, more tongues, uh, and so on and so forth. I think that's, I think, the verse that she was um, referring to. It doesn't exactly say what what she wanted to say. That, that that I don't think. But with regard to what she said, I have uh, the uh, I had the experience when I was young uh, in, in Los Angeles, and probably used to spend a lot of time there. And I used to come twice a year when I was there and spend a few months. And I would always stand uh, 
to the to the right of his Vyasasan. I kind of had it placed there. You could some of the old videos and pictures. You could see me there. That was my spot, and I always stood up for the classes because, oh, we were young in those days and we didn't sleep much, and you know we were we were just uh, somewhat. Uh, um, taking the idea that you're not the body to some extremes that weren't intended for practitioners. But anyway, I didn't want to, I was afraid if I sat down I might fall asleep and, you know, Prophet was there speaking, so I, that was the last thing I, uh, I wanted to do. So I would, I would stand up. But I also had a nice view of Prabhupada right there. I was, I was right next to his right ear. And, um, and of course, before every class, he would chant Bhaktivinoda Thakur song Jai Radha Madhava. And so I remember one day I was, the, 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 the thought came to me that as he was chanting that I don't, you know, this really means something to him. Hmm? This really, the implication of this chanting, I don't understand it fully. I don't experience it fully, but he is experiencing this fully. Hmm? And so it's compelling, hmm? and of course the prospect of myself or others experiencing that seems to be before us, but it's not our our present experience, but it's his experience. Hmm? And so I thought, let me chant in such a way into his ear, like I was like right there, you know. In response, which is the kirtan is responsive, call and response, um, in such a way, vibrate these names, Jairada, Madhava, Gopijana, Balava, Gidhi, Hari, and so forth, Shodanandan, that will be pleasing to him. Hmm? Because he's actually relishing this, and so without knowing that verse of Rupa Goswami, I was much younger then, I was trying to offer him my tongue, you know, in, 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 as an assistance so that he could take advantage of it. So it's kind of along the lines of what she was, what she was saying. And, um, and Prabhupada felt my, my, my thoughts, you know, and he turned at me and looked like this. And, and then um, after the, uh, that uh, Kirtan, then Prabhupada would give the class. And then after the class, there would be uh, a short kirtan led by some of the devotees, as Prabhupada would rise from the asana and depart and so forth. So that day, then, um, whenever Prabhupada was there, there was you know a larger group of devotees who had come from different parts, also to besides the local temple, which was a big temple in those days. It was his headquarters in, in the United States in Los Angeles. Uh, anyway, there were several sannyasis there, and GVCs, and, and so the sannyasis had a little bit of a kind of an ego battle, who would lead the kirtan. It, it was only took a few seconds, but it was what was going on. I think it was Sudama Swami versus Guru Kripa Swami, something like that. And then, uh, anyway, one of them won the battle and, you know, started the kirtan, and then Prabhupada stopped him. Stopped the kirtan and he turned to me and said, Let this boy chant. And everybody looked at me like, mm-hmm. I was known because I was a sincere uh, um, servitor, but I wasn't a big sannyasi or 
GBC or anything like that. So then I, I lived at Kirtan. And then, then the next uh, morning, same class and so forth. And same thing happened. Prabhupada stopped and let this boy chant twice in a row. So I was sure that he was he, he, he liked my, my thoughts, you know, my, 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 my sentiments. So there's something to be said for what uh, she was saying in that, uh, in that, in, in that sense. So we, we can think, you know, that like that, I suppose, I'm, I'm chanting, I've been given this opportunity to chant by my guru, I don't really understand it, although he's explained it to me. I don't have the experience fully, maybe some glimpse here and there. Um, um, and so, you know, Krishna is not different than his name. We pray to the name. Let me chant your name in such a way that it will be pleasing to him. This is a nice prayer. I make a prayer like this to Krishna every day, similar to this, that I may uh, uh, glorify you, uh, speak about you, so forth, in such a way that your servitor, your friend, my Guru Maharaj will be pleased. That would be. That's a nice prayer. Krishna will be pleased with prayers like sincere prayers like that. So something to be said for, as I say, for what what she was she was saying. So those are some some thoughts about um, kirtan. But I mean, uh, at the same time, there's uh, one point worth mentioning about kirtan or japa chanting. What to think is, is, is Prabhupada would say sometimes, uh, well, what should I think when chanting? He said, it, it, give your mind a rest. Don't think. Hmm. Just chant. So the sound would be said for hearing. Just hear the sound. Hmm. You had asked about this the other day. I said, give another answer. But more or less, if you can't just hear the sound, well, yeah, you could try to fix your mind on Krishna that formed the deity that you saw and something or something you heard or whatnot. But... But when you can hear the sound, hmm, the mind actually becomes still and you're actually hearing, then you start to see. Hmm. Then and the world will open, that portal will open. You'll find yourself in that place that's beyond description. Hmm. That's meditation. <laughs> that's the dhyan that comes from, from kirtan. So try so give the mind a rest. It's it's restless. So it's it's hard. It, it seems to have a lot of energy. <laughs> it wants to wants to keep uh, keep keep moving, darting here and there. Right? But, but, um, but loud kirtan. Hmm? That's why Rupa Goswami mentions when he's speaking in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu about. Bob Abbas, the, the, a Chai Bob Abbas, a shadow, a semblance of bhava hmm? can be experienced by devotees. And he gives an example, that he, maybe Jiva Goswami's commentary gives an example. Coming to a festival, there's kirtan and the discussion of the harikata and prashadam, and it's, it's just very consuming, and one gets consumed by all of that in the, the cultural, spiritual, atmosphere, even 
even I, even it's possible even an uninitiated person comes into a situation like this and gets absorbed, gets some some chai, baba bas, some semblance of that, and and then asks, "This happened to me. What? How do I think about that and so forth?" So this uh, that, hap- that can happen. That's that's uh, considered to be a, a blessing, hmm? because such experiences they're much more confirming, even really, than all the philosophy. The philosophy is meant to help us to support our practice you know, and, to, and, to, and, to, and, to, and to arrest our intellect, hmm? put it in its place, hmm? so to speak, hmm? and. Um, or fortify it to be a support against the restless mind for spiritual practice. Fortify the intellect. Bhagavad Gita is very much doing that. So, what was the point? So, so. So in uh, the philosophy, the teaching, uh, um, it functions in this way, and it's supportive and it's confirming. But when you get little experience, then, then if you get a nabas, a bhav, then it's very confirming. Hmm? So those are um, important, uh, important moments. Hmm? What else? Yes. Ramaraj, I was still thinking of you said that the mind is restless and and um, I know we should be patient. I know it's going to take a long time for, the, for us to improve from chanting, but is it mainly the mind that's the biggest obstacle or, or can it be something else like apparatus that we made or what is it usually that's mainly It's usually that? just the restless mind and your, your conditioning, hmm? um, Bhakti's dealing with that, but hmm? take a little time. Hmm? You know, you have to. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita that you have to abhyase na tukunteya vairagi na chakrihate. Because Arjuna asked the question that you asked. He said, how is it possible to control the mind, which you've been talking about? This is in the sixth chapter. You've been talking about this for a while now, since the middle of the second chapter about yoga. And if I'm hearing you correctly, he says, that the central focus that you keep kind of coming back to here is to fix the mind, control the mind, and so forth. <coughs> and you're advocating that I do this, and in the context of doing this and embracing this yoga marg or a transcendental pursuit to realize what you were talking about earlier in the second chapter that I'm eternal, hmm? soul never dies, doesn't kill anyone, so on and so forth. Hmm? And you're, you're, you're advocating that this is the means to, to, to realize that and, and it seems, and more as well, less more, but, but if I do that, 
you're saying I should do that and I should give up the Dharma. Remember that Karma Marg, we talked about this morning. I should give up the Dharma. And the Dharma Shastras don't, uh, all their instructions and so forth. Hmm? But he asks a powerful, insightful question what you're asking me to do is not easy. Mm-hmm. He says, it's, a, it's like trying to control the wind. That's a pretty difficult thing, and, and it, it happens to be a tornado or a hurricane, <laughs> the, the, the mind. Mm-hmm. So it's not easy to do. He goes on then question like, so what if I'm not successful, of course, right? says, what if I'm not successful? Then I've uh, foregone the, the, the rules of, of, of Dharma, hmm? but I'm not successful in yoga. I'll be culpable for, for not adhering to the Dharma, and then I'm not successful in the yoga. Then where am I then? And Krishna, that's when Krishna very affectionately says, you can't be unsuccessful. Hmm? My dear son, he says, Tata, what is it? Hmm? He says, Durgatim Tata Gachati. Oh, no, don't think like that. Hmm? And then he says, If you're a little successful, what will happen to you? You'll go to heaven. What's the significance of that statement? If you're a little successful, you'll go to heaven. The significance is, that if you're perfectly successful in the Dharma Marg, you'll go to heaven. If you're a little successful only in the Yoga Marg and forego the Dharma Marg, you'll go to heaven. <laughs> and there you'll stay for some time. And then you'll come back in a human society. You'll be born in a family that's economically well off enough that you don't have to struggle hmm? and pious enough or for one, in one way or another that, 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 that starts to facilitate um, your uh, taking up again where you picked off, picked, left, left off the path of yoga. And if you're almost successful but not fully, hmm? gives two scenarios, then you take birth in a fa- family of transcendentalists hmm? and pick up where you left <coughs> off. So there's no, there's no loss, he says. Hmm? So that's compelling. But he also says, you're right, it's not easy. Hmm? He doesn't disagree with Arjun when Arjun says, I don't know if this, this is like trying to control the minds, like trying to control the wind. Krishna says, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he says, but it is possible. He says, by two things. He says, you have to starve the mind and you have to feed the mind. You have to put it on a diet, starve it of its previous um, appetite for... Sense objects, hmm? that's vairagya. Hmm? 
So you have to you have to step back from the way in which the mind was preoccupied. Hmm? That's the starving. Bhairagena, abhyasena, and bhairagena. So starving, fasting, hmm? and then then nourishing. Hmm? Huh? Abhyas means practice. You had to fast from the previous diet and take medicine. Take medicine. Abhyas means fasting and taking medicine. Fasting and taking medicine. These two things. Then he says it's possible. And as I say, in due course, the medicine will become a food. What was medicine now becomes food. It's like you take, you're very sick with dysentery in India, let's say, and so you 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 have to fast. You can't eat anything, but then you get medicine of ghee, which is very rich. So you can't hold it down, but a little bit sticks. It's so powerful. If a little bit sticks. It starts to nourish you. Hmm? Gradually, then you can eat pakoras and samosas, fried and ghee, so forth. So practice and detachment. So these are the two things. You have to starve the mind a little bit. Gurnisht is writing an article. He's done some research about the effects of social media. I think with regard to one-mindedness that is central to spiritual practice and it's not helpful is the basic thrust of it he's writing it for Ananda I think and he's going to develop it further longer version for the harmonist so So, that's why we have ashrams and in remote and ideal settings and this is done in all religious traditions create create a favorable environment spend as much time there as possible but yeah it's a challenge it's a challenge but it's possible and there's no question of not being successful just a question of how successful over how much time and how much time do you have? Well, you've had a lot of time. <laughs> As we heard this morning, you're eternal, so got a lot of time. What else? Yes. Uh, I had some morning doubts this morning. Uh, wondering about the morning sickness. Morning sickness. <laughs> okay. Wondering about um, frame, but when we have a Krishna consciousness <coughs> cultural or a religious framework to fit, fit an experience into, is this uh, is this restricted to to us having the having it as a framework, or could somebody from somewhere else without any lila smarna, without nothing, say maybe they're even a practitioner of Krishna consciousness? They haven't done any. They haven't heard much. 
of Talila. Could Talila spontaneously manifest in their minds? Could somebody from from somewhere super random, Eskimo village somewhere, have an epitome of Krishna? Well, not without Sadhu Sangha. As I've said before, without Sadhu Sangha, the closest you're going to get to Krishna, Krishna Leela, which is a very specific manifestation of the Godhead. Hmm? So it's not the only expression of the Godhead, the only manifestation of divinity, but it's a very specific one. Our aim is very specific, to enter the Braj Leela, right? Hmm? So, you're not going to get that just by thinking about it or even by not thinking. But, as I've said before, you could attain a Socratic type of self-realization. If we look at Socrates as a realized person in terms of the Atma, which, I mean, I don't know all the details of Socrates. Nobody does, but there's there's some story to that effect. He was a well-thought-out uh, person. I think they wanted to assassinate him or kill him or something. And he said, well, first you've got to find me. Hmm? As if to say, you know, I'm not my body, and I've understood that. So, the point being that, uh, just using him as, as a, an example from the West, but the point being that by by introspection, hmm, gyan, it's possible to arrive at um, self-realization, which is a big accomplishment. But to go from there hmm, to even Brahman realization. Paramatma's realization, Bhagavan realization, Krishna, Leela, hmm? that will require some help from that side. Hmm? Um, now, that said, um, some Eskimo may pray to some idea of a divine, you know, higher power, it's kind of what you're talking about, a god, hmm? and um, and pray for grace and so on and so forth, and can certainly have some um, success in that regard. Hmm? Truth attracts, like attracts like, truth attracts truth, so sincerity, hmm? the purpose, hmm? um, stands to reason, will be reciprocated with. Now, it might be in the form of sadhusanga, hmm? for example. Hmm? So, it's not that they don't have access, right? Hmm? But, again, to enter into the specific um, dimension of transcendence that is the focus of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, you're going to need association and teaching and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we find that the agents who make that available, they, without discrimination, try to share that in the world. Devotees are said to be the uh, the uh, Kripa Shakti of Krishna. So, 
manifestation of his his mercy, his grace. They're spreading it everywhere. They don't discriminate. Hmm? But what about that poor guy in Alaska under the ice? They didn't go there. Well, you know, you got to broaden your perspective, too. What about that mosquito? What about those ants? How many people are there? How many souls are there? You're kind of wondering, is this for everybody? It's kind of like, does this really work for everybody? Isn't God for everybody? It's kind of a little bit behind your question, your doubt. Hmm? Right? Well, how many is everybody? How many How many jivas, Tathasta jivas, are in this world under the influence of karma? It's infinite. It's infinite. Hmm? So, the work will never be finished, ever. Now you got to try to fit that between your your ears. Doesn't mean God isn't merciful, but how do you liberate an infinite number of people? <laughs> hmm? You keep at it. <laughs> I guess it's always going on. Hmm? The leela of liberating people is, is always going, always going on. Will everybody in the universe be liberated? It's possible, but Mahaprabhu told Vasudev, Vasudev Dutt, but there are millions of universes, so. It's a nice thought, he said. And he really appreciated the compassion of Vasudeva Dutt. And so a devotee is naturally compassionate. So you, as a devotee, are compassionately thinking about the Eskimos or the indigenous people in Australia and or wherever. And what about them? Just by your thoughts going there, you're sending some sadhusanga. If you think about people, if a devotee thinks about those people, Krishna will think about those people. That's the nature of love. If you think, oh, those poor people, then Krishna loves you. You have some feeling for them, then Krishna will have feeling for them also. So the devotee is the medium. But that doesn't mean that the sharing is restricted. I'm giving an example of sadhusanga that extends beyond the physical even. Hmm? Of course, it depends how much of a sadhu we are, right? Hmm. But uh, it's possible. Some sadhus like Vasudev Dutt, he was, he was thinking about, he, wa- he was praying to take the karma of the, everyone in the universe so that they could all be liberated. Hmm? And he would stay behind. Such was his compassion. Everybody in the universe is benefited by that, to be sure. Hmm. Even in the Christianity, you have a similar idea that that uh, the Christ came and had compassion for all humanity, and therefore he <coughs> he died for them, hmm. and therefore the possibility for them to attain. Uh, liberation it came about right so there's a medium by which it comes about and the medium is not your intelligence or your head hmm, or your physically anything you do it comes from that side hmm. 
it's readily available, it makes itself available in different forms, physically, beyond the physical, and so on and so forth. But does that help? Yes, there's also another point that Sevanili brought up. He mentioned upon this indigenous tribe up in the northern part of South America meeting devotees and them having a picture of Krishna being presented to them. They nodded their heads in agreement and said, yes, this is our exact view of God, but instead of yellow dhoti, he wears a white dhoti. And that always stayed lingering in this context. Sounds good. <laughs> How that happened, we don't know, but sounds good. Hmm. Hmm. I have my doubts. What, what, is that? <laughs> what was actually the whole story there, but... What else? It's time. Keoras. Keoras. Uh, seven five. Seven five. We started a little early. Anything else? Stop there.